Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. After I got here, I was even more glad. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord today. It's good to have our guest with us. I think they're pretty well known to everybody here, but uh, we're delighted that they're with us today in the house of the Lord and brought their babies with them. Good to see them worship the Lord in the service as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. Got a few out today, but that's all right. The Lord works just as well in small crowds as he does any other kind. Amen. Praise the Lord. Been a lot of work going on. It's already been stated. Brother Charles, give Brother Charles a big hand. He has done an awesome job in supervising. And, of course, you know, supervising, usually you're the hardest one working out here. Hey, man, he's supervised all of this. I'll tell you what, it, don't it look awesome? Probably don't do a lot for you, but it does a whole lot for me up here, I'll tell you. Hey, Amen. We've removed this door, and eventually we'll put one here. And uh, so a lot of work going on, a lot of hard work going on. Then we'll have carpet within the month, something like that, within the month, 30 days. So uh, we'll, we'll be looking like a brand-new shiny penny around here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Appreciate everyone that has uh, participated in helping and the Lord will bless you for it in the name of the Lord. A very familiar passage of Scripture today, Acts chapter 2. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart as said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward or backward generation. Another passage of Scripture, which again is no stranger, to any of you is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. Ephesians 4 and 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, 
who is above all, through all, and in you all. Paul must have come from Texas because he said you all. Amen. Praise the Lord. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He was speaking to the church at Ephesus, men and brethren that already had the Holy Ghost. He said, you're already, the Holy Ghost is already in you. It's only one spirit, it's only one God, it's only one baptism. And I have spoken this morning from passages of Scripture that most of you should already know quite well. And I want to speak on this subject today, and it won't go like you think it will go. But I shall entitle this message, The Absolutes. The absolutes. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask, O oh Lord God, that you would move in the remainder of this service, that your will would be done, O oh Lord God, for your word is never bound. And we ask, O oh Lord, that it would go forth and do its perfect work today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we give you all of the praise and the honor. We bless your name, O oh God, thanking you, Lord God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever in the name of the Lord. Come on, let's bless the Lord right now before we're seated. Oh, Lord, I bless your name. I praise your name, O oh Lord. I give you all of the honor and the praise, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let it be done, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Only if you're going to preach with me. Now, if you don't, you can keep, keep standing if you'd like. That's up to you. Praise God. Amen. Absolute is defined as free from imperfection, fundamental and complete, a rule or principle that is believed to be true, right or relevant in all situations. I'll read that again. A rule or principle that is believed to be true, right or relevant in all situations. An absolute an absolute. We are coming to the conclusion of our summer here in the great state of Texas. In just a handful of days, the official first day of fall will begin to be uh, declared. I don't know if it's the 21st or the 23rd, or, but it's right around there, so that's, that's next week. And we understand that there are seasons that the Creator put in place. There is summer, and then there is fall. Fall may be short sometimes in Texas, but there's a fall. 
It might last a week, but there's a fall. And then after the fall, there is the winter. And then after the winter, it will begin to warm up again, and we will again enjoy summer all over again. These are absolutes that were placed into the blueprint of creation from the very beginning. We understand that even though there may be some variations, there will be still a spring, a summer, a fall, and a winter. We understand all of these seasons for they are considered an absolute. They cannot be negotiated for nature has placed them in that charge and they will happen in that order. Another thing that we understand is we must have these things in our life in order to survive. First is breath. Something that we take advantage of and tend to take for granted is the very next breath that you draw into your lungs. It happens all day long and all night long. Even when you're in sleep, you still enjoy breath. And as long as there is another breath, then you can live another few seconds. But it is something that is an absolute. You must have breath in order to live. The creator breathed life into Adam, the first Adam, and from there on, he became, man became a living soul. And I know that at 11.28, I stand between you and lunch. A very dangerous place to be. I'm in the way of your lunch. But yet we find, I take a look around and I see that I don't see anybody that's really skipped any meals. You can look at me and tell I don't miss many either. But it's something that we have to have and it's called sustenance. We've got to have food. You can go for a little while, but after a while nature will begin to dictate to you in very forceful terms that it is an absolute that you must have food. And you must have it on a regular basis. Another thing that is a necessity, and I think that the young ones tend to try to push this one a little bit hard, and it's called rest. When you go to Bible college and you hang out with the buds and the hour starts getting later, it's cool the first night or two. It's really fun. But then, after a while, nature begins to teach you some very valuable lessons. Doesn't take long 
You start nodding off like your daddy and your granddaddy did somewhere along in there. You're going to have to have rest because that's just the way that our bodies are wired. It's considered an absolute. If you go a certain amount of days and you've not had rest, you put your entire health at risk. The great Elvis Presley found this to be true. After living on drugs, one to uh, get him moving and upper, and then he'd take downers to go to sleep. And after a while, your body is going to collapse just like his did. You cannot continue in that path for long, for these are considered absolutes. The change of seasons... One must have breath, one must have rest, and one must have food in order to exist. But yet I bring to you some more absolutes that I think that you will agree with me upon this morning. And one of them is we know that there is but one God. In the book of Ephesians, we read to you that there is one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. There's only one God, and it is an absolute one God. Hallelujah. Father in creation, and then Son in redemption, and Holy Ghost in regeneration. One God that can serve in all three offices and still be one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and he alone shall you serve. Only one God. Paganism says that there is more than one God. There are some religions that believe in hundreds of gods. There are others that believe in three and still others that believe in two. But the word of God is clear that only one God exists that has served in different offices. Just because one God serves a different capacities does not make him a separate God. Just as I can be a father and a son and an uncle and a grandfather and I'm still all one person. God can do many things. He can stand on the balcony of heaven and say, let there be light. And the light came. Oh, yes, he can. And then he can turn around and robe himself in flesh and become a man and suffer in all points like as we were, yet without sin. And then he can die and be resurrected. And then he can come back as one spirit in all of us. I've come in my Father's name, he said. So the Father's name is Jesus. We know who Jesus is. He's the Son of the living God, the only flesh that God had. That's where the term Son comes from, the flesh of God. God is a spirit, but yet he has flesh, and that flesh is Jesus Christ that began at Bethlehem. Then later on he said the comforter be sent how? 
in my name. So the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. That's an absolute. It's something that we agree upon and understand. The Word of God is clear. It is an absolute. Another absolute that we understand that I read to you is out of Acts, the second chapter. The first message that was preached by an anointed apostle named Peter. The same Peter that had cursed his face off just a handful of days before. Oh, yes, he did too. You look it up. He denied the Lord. (laughs) You know, know, we we were tough on Judas. He only denied the Lord once. Oh, yeah, but yet we find where Peter denied the Lord three separate times and then cursed about it. But yet there was some repentance that uh, Peter found. And the power of repentance is another message. But thank God for repentance. Repentance, uh, hallelujah, we turn away. Repentance means to make an about face and go in the opposite direction. It's an old army command that says go the opposite way in which you came. And when you repent, you walk away from it. And Peter walked away from his denial of the Lord. And the Lord said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and you'll stand up on the day of Pentecost and you'll open the door to heaven. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter had already preached conviction unto him. And now they're saying, what are we supposed to do about it? He said, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall, I said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is not just to you, but it's for your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, there was some who say, well, that was just for them. There are others that will say, well, until the canon of the books, the 66 books were complete, the Holy Ghost still operated. But once the books were concluded at the end of Revelation, that's it, it's over. And the Lord better forgive Peter for lying on the day of Pentecost. Because he says it's for you and for the generation that is to follow you. Even around the world, the uttermost parts means the most extreme portions. The uttermost parts of the earth. And then he says something even more interesting. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. These are absolutes. These are things that we feel that we must have just as important as the breath of life. We got to have it. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We also understand that one must live a holy life to please God. There are many that preach to receive the Holy Ghost, but yet they do not speak of living holy. What is living holy? It's living righteously before the Lord. Not self-righteously. That stinks in the nostrils of God. 
but if we can do our best to line up according to the word of God and be holy in his sight. These are absolutes that cannot be denied. But yet today, as I have given you words that you already know, now I wish to bring you to the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Yes, we have absolutes in the kingdom of the Lord that all of us agree upon. There's one God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking with other tongues. And we got to live a holy life until he comes. These are absolutes. These are things that there is no variableness. It is believed to be true, right, and relevant in all situations. These are absolutes. But there are other absolutes that I want to bring to your attention today. Other things that we tend to treat them as negotiables. We tend to treat them as optional. Something that good idea to do but only as needed. Told you it wasn't going to turn out like you thought it would. Negotiable. Optional. Not truly necessary every day. Negotiable is defined as open for discussion or modification. Peter Marshall, Senate chaplain, prayed this prayer on April 18th, 1947. Quote, Give us clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for because unless we stand for something, we shall fall for anything. If you do not stand for something, then any whim that begins to blow in your life will cause you to stumble and to fall. There are absolutes, but today I declare unto you some absolutes that we often overlook and discount as negotiable and optional. Jude, only one chapter, verse 20. And 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Read that again. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves uh-huh. on your most holy faith. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Go back to that 20th verse. Go ahead. Thank you. 
Jude speaking to the church. He says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith without works is dead. And so building upon your faith, what do you use to build up your faith? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Oftentimes we look at praying in the Holy Ghost as something that is optional. Something that must come occasionally. And I understand that God must be the one that causes you to speak in that heavenly language in your prayer. But I also know that oftentimes we don't get that close for God to even nudge us to go into the area where we get lost in the spirit and begin to bring down strongholds in the last days and begin to see God to miraculous things. Hey, I want you to know that God's power has not diminished one ounce, but yet when we back up or are praying in the Holy Ghost, then you have just backed up on an absolute that must occur. feel like I'm fighting the clock. Somebody's mind's already beginning to wonder. I'm trying to hurry. Oh God, help us. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, pull that up, back up, just to carry on. Verse 21. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, next verse. Next verse, please. 21, I'm sorry. We'll get there after a while, praise God. Keep yourself in the love of God. What keeps me in the love of God? When I pray in the Holy Ghost, it keeps me in the love of God. My wishful thinking and going to church and being faithful, all that's good. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not all there is to it, children. You gotta learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're gonna keep yourself in the love of God. And that's not all. You'll be looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There will be mercy available to you when you pray in the Holy Ghost. I have a question that you answer in your heart today. When's the last time that you prayed in the Holy Ghost? When's the last time you prayed until God moved upon your spirit and you fall out in the floor speaking with other tongues and God moves upon you and you pray in a language you know not of but yet God said that he would do it praying in the Holy Ghost Fasting, Matthew 6, 16. 
Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. When you fast, don't be two-faced. Mm -hmm. Like the religious con people are. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Of a side countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. They're just hoping somebody come along and say, why you got such a sad face? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm fasting today. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, don't do that. Mm -mm. Don't let them know you're fasting. And don't put on no long face. Go ahead. I say unto you, they have their reward. Yeah, their reward is somebody go off and say, you know what? I ran across so-and-so, and I asked him how he's feeling. He's looking so bad, and he told me he's fasting. Ain't that something? That's all the reward they're going to get. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. But when thou fasteth, anoint thy head and yeah. wash thy face. Go ahead. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. It's one thing to pray, but you need to fast because fasting does something to you, and it moves you to a point where you pray differently than you've ever prayed before. We oftentimes look at fasting as an option. No, you can't fast every day because that goes back to the other absolutes. You've got to have food and sustenance. But there should be seasons of fastings where you fast and say, God, I'm desperate before you. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to fast until you are desperate. You're not going to fast until you really mean it because it takes something. You want to know who's in control? Try fasting. Your stomach will go talking to you and telling you who's in charge of your life. And then you suddenly realize just how carnal you are and how far away from God that you really are. And fasting opens your heart and your mind to a different realm of the spirit that prayer can never bring you to. But when you couple them together, then my friend, something will happen in your world and things will change all around you. I've lived it. I know it happens. It will happen when you do it consistently because it's an absolute. It's not negotiable. It's not an option. It's something we gotta do. Give me Psalm 119, verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. My soul cleaveth to the dust. What's the dust? It's your flesh, mm -hmm. which comes from dust. Mm -hmm. If you leave it alone and let it go by default, you're going to lean to your own understanding and your own flesh. Yeah. Say. Quicken thou me according to thy word. What does the word quicken mean? It is actually an old English word which means to make alive. Mm. 
Go ahead. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Uh-huh. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me your statutes or your word. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. I want to understand. So shall I talk of thy wondrous words. That I can repeat it to others. Mm-hmm. Next verse. My soul melteth for heaviness. Have you ever been here before? Mm-hmm. My soul melteth for heaviness. Mm-hmm. You know what a lot of times we do when our soul does that? Mm-hmm. We'll go find something to do, mm-hmm. go see somebody, get on the phone, find something to keep our mind occupied when we ought to be doing this right here. My soul melteth with heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Now go to chapter 1, verse 2. I'm bringing this to a close. Just listen. If you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast. Oh, you're doing good. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Read the first verse for, for context. Let's go ahead and read first one and two. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. When you get to walking with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. You've nope. been walking with God all this time, but now you start walking with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Nor standeth in the way of sinners. You stop walking. Mm. Now I'm standing. Mm-hmm. God's moved on. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. What's the next thing happens to me? Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Well, you know what? I think I'll just sit down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God's way off over yonder. Mm-hmm. He's moved on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be careful who you run with. Amen. You'll find yourself in trouble mm-hmm. with the Lord. Verse 2 now. But his delight, his is, delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. Now, the word delight is also interpreted as to be pliable, as in like clay. He's pliable in the law of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And a lot of us will read that and miss the word Meditate. Let me tell you what meditate actually is interpreted as. The Hebrew word is pronounced yege. It means to meditate, to moan, growl, speak, or to utter. Vine's Book of Words puts it this way. This word is common to both ancient and modern Hebrew. Found only 25 times. It is reflecting the sighing and sounds one may make while musing. at least as the ancients practiced it. It expresses the growl of lions and the mourning of doves depending on its application. Now, I was on the phone with Sister Norma DeVille. Those of you know, it's Sister Motes' pastor's wife of her childhood. I talk to Sister DeVille often because... 
in the year of 1984, she was diagnosed with melanoma cancer. And after serving, going for chemo for four separate medications, she was allergic to all four. They took her off the meds and gave her time to go home and die. She told me just this past time, and it's been, I think, Friday when I called her. She said, Brother Motes, for five months I prayed. And she said, there came a day when I went to church and didn't feel like going to church. There's some of you here today, I know you're here and don't feel like being here. She said, but I went to church, weak as water, and didn't feel like going, but I went anyway. She said, the Lord impressed me that I was to be prayed for in that service by someone. And so she went to church. And Brother DeVille, she called him Brother Ben. She said, Ben had service and nothing happened. And it came time for dismissal prayer. Brother DeVille's up there fixing to dismiss. And there was a preacher that had been coming to their church for a couple of years that the Lord had shown them the oneness of the Godhead. He said, just a moment, Brother DeVille. I just feel in the Holy Ghost that Sister, Sister DeVille needs to be prayed for. And so she said, they laid hands on me and prayed for me. She said, the next day I felt strength. She said, so I walked down there near the camp where they lived. And she said, I walked for two and a half miles. And she said, when I got back to the camp, she said, I, I believe that I'm healed. And so she went and she talked to Sister Vesta Mangan. And Sister Vesta Mangan told her, she said, Sister DeVille, the devil's going to try to bring that back on you. So you just count on it and be prepared for it. And so she declared her healing. And this would have been 1985 or 86. I believe it was 86. 1986. And she's outlived her husband who has been deceased for some years now. And she came, her and her husband came to the church that I pastored in Mississippi. And I had her minister there and she made the statement as she, she ministered to the congregation. She said, you know, to this day, and this would have been the year 2000, 14 years later, she says, to this day, she says, those knots will come back up on me. And she said, I'll just put my hand on that knot and I'll pray it down. She said, I'll just pray that thing down. And then she told me something that was most incredible that I want to share with you about this meditation business. She said, you know what else? She said, I, she said, I believe that cancer's of the devil. And she said, I, you know what I do? She said, I'll take the word of God. She said, I'll read it out loud. She said, okay, devil. 
if you're going to stay in my body with this sorry cancer, then you're going to get to listen to the word of God because I'm going to read it. And as long as it's there, I'm going to read it. And she reads that thing out loud every day. Now let me take you back to what meditation says. It says, and in his law, that he'd meditate day and night. You get the word of God out and you begin to read it out loud. Oh, it may be about victory and it'll be the growl of lions. Or it may be about weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning and it may be morning like doves, but you read it and something happens when you speak the word of God out loud. Honey, it's meditating and it is an absolute. You gotta have it. I said you gotta have it. You gotta have it. You gotta have it. Come on, worship the Lord with me. Uh, there's something about the word. I got to pray in the Holy Ghost. That's an absolute. I got to do my share of fasting. That's an absolute. But I got to meditate upon the word of God. Just in case you didn't get it yet. Get that word of God out and say, well, it's silly to read this out loud. No, sir. No, ma'am. Read it out loud. Something will get a hold of you. You'll feel this. I'm telling you what I was reading out of the book of Acts the other day. And I got in the book of Acts chapter 16. And I got to reading that thing. And went to talking in tongues. Couldn't finish reading it out loud. Because the Holy Ghost fell on me. Hey, I'm telling you there's power in the word of God. And meditating upon the word. It is an absolute that we overlook and we minimize and optionalize. It's not negotiable. It is an absolute. Stand with me.